0: Sorry, was that long-winded?
1: Uh, no, 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 that's great. Yeah. Oh no, don't give us long interesting answers, Bethany. Please. I don't
0: I don't know. I don't, I'm going to be done with this and be like I have no idea what I said, but <laughs>
1: no more, Well, trust you
0: know, no me, it, you'll
2: you'll be able to hear it again.
0: Oh, <laughs> if, it,
1: if it makes you feel better, I have no idea what was said till I break it out again. <laughs> Just like wait, Yeah. This that's mm-hmm. I'm editing it.
3: atlanta where chick-fil-a sauce is sold in stores and it's the next thing to go after milk bread and toilet paper in an emergency it's the whole world improv theater podcast brought to you by whole world improv theater atlanta's original home of improv here are your hosts artistic director chip powell and a man who's trying to cut down his sugar intake by eating half the ice cream in the morning and the other half in the evening john mihalik
1: Hey everybody, welcome to the Whole World Improv Theater Podcast. I'm John Mihalik. with me my co-host, Chip Powell, and today, Chip, we have a special person for both of us on this podcast. Yes.
2: We're going in-house to talk to Bethany Rowe, who we're very excited is on the show today. And the reason I think I'm excited about this is because not only did Bethany take our class program here at Whole World, but also worked outside of Whole World and other theater ventures with other companies, left us. And wrote the most amazing letter to me ever about her educational process, which I've never forgotten to this day. And then through the magic of the universe, came back full force with our X group, but also Grant Rights, also does all of our social media. And I couldn't be more excited than to invite Bethany Rowe on our show today thank you <laughs> hey bethany
0: hi how are you doing
2: good how are you
0: i'm doing good i have just seeing a, one of my cats sort of uh shovel his way through the door right now i try to keep the doors closed but they're cats so they always want to know what's happening right now <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's all right we don't mind a cat on the show <laughs> good
1: and yet he won't let me bring my dog in here so
0: oh <laughs> so
1: bethany Yes. One of the things that we do here in our educational program, we started with adults, we branched out with kids' classes and then our kids' camps, and then we added something very special for neurodiverse children. Yes. That became the X group. Now, I had to learn what neurodiverse. Yeah. Now, this is an umbrella-like term. What falls under neurodiverse? Neurodiverse.
0: Um, so neurodiversity includes individuals with various neurological differences or disabilities. So individuals with autism, ADHD, social communication disorder, all those different types of, uh, diagnoses fall underneath that umbrella. So basically it just sort of embodies that there are individuals who exist, who have different ways of processing and viewing the world. That's neurodiversity.
2: And the late great Andy Jones. So, I want to talk about him briefly before we get started because Andy was a performer here for a very long time. He was main stage. He also took a bit of a hiatus at one point and came back stronger than ever and was very passionate about taking Emily and I to breakfast places to discuss this program where. We picked up the bill and (laughs) I kept having these meetings and I was like, are we, is, is he just after breakfast? Like, what's he, happening here? Uh,
0: did he ask for you to pay, or was there just he, an awkward he, silence? He, and he
2: then you would just, when he paw at
0: the bill and say, yeah, I, "I guess they so got
2: <laughs> Andy he was persistent, but he constantly wanted this program to happen. And yeah. with his abilities to tutor students and his ability to help those with neurological disorders, was a combination and a tort force that brought his program here. And I think that was one of the things that impressed me the most about him was that we were able to open up the theater to start this program. And he was the driving force behind it. And you were not far behind him. So I kind of want to talk a little bit about you and Andy in the beginning.
0: Yeah. So I believe he'd only been at Whole World before we rebranded it the X Group. Andy's program was called the Exceptional Student Group. That was the name of his business in which he offered a tutoring program that focused on math and other educational aspects and working with the neurodiverse community. And so he brought this program into Whole World in which y'all were very generous to provide the building in which he could hold his classes for these students. So he had only been doing this for a couple of months. And then there was a coworker that I was working with every day at Kaiser Permanente at the time. His name was Chris Hayes. He was, I guess, randomly talking to Andy one day and said, Yeah, I have this coworker who's also passionate about working with the autism community, is also neurodiverse herself. I would love to put her in contact. She used to be a company member out at Whole World Improv. You should definitely work with her. She works in educational theater with me. I think she'd be a good fit. So all of a sudden. Out um, nowhere, I get this voicemail from this gentleman who i never heard of. Um, so I think Chris gave him my phone number. He was like, hey, this is Andy. Um, you don't know me, but uh, I heard you're neurodiverse. That's kind of cool. Heard you work with kids, also cool. We should grab some breakfast. So that's exactly
3: yeah. what we <laughs> did.
0: We got breakfast. Mm-hmm. Um, he sat down with me and then we had a blast. We really hit it off. Oh, and I for, never forget this too, on the phone, whenever he and I were scheduling the meetup for breakfast, he goes, yep, could tell you went through speech therapy because I could hear your vocal cadences. <laughs> I was like, who is this person? And yes, I was in speech therapy for a plethora of years. Very good, sir. Very good. So I was very impressed with what he could pick up on. So we met up. We made plans for me to come in. I think that following Saturday, I started helping him out. And he kind of threw me into the deep end pretty quickly. I was helping him at another organization, I believe called Arden Out, we were working there in the mornings on Saturdays, and then we would turn around and then we would work at Whole World. I'll never forget the first day I worked with him. I just thought I was going to do art and out with him in the mornings, and I was like, "Okay, well, bye, Andy." And he goes, "Oh, aren't you coming to Whole World?" And I said, "Am I?" <laughs> He's like, "Yeah, you're going to you're going to come there too." So, <laughs> but I didn't mind, you know, because I obviously. Want to learn more and work with him. And he was tremendous. He had a, a fantastic gift working with our kids. He was just able to bring things out in each individual student. That was just absolutely incredible. I miss him every day.
2: I remember him going under a table to retrieve a student that was. Yeah nervous about coming out from under the table and it wasn't like he went under there to say come out he went in there to say what's going on down here yeah well, what's he, What's happening here and he yeah he
3: made
0: us part of like an improvised scene like he um, improvised it it was insane and then and that kid came out and now that, that kid is part of our youth and teen program
2: exactly that kid came out uh, from under the table and was like owning it and i love that kid also uses like props to continue his journey, like finds things to use that help him speak through the the items. And I think that's another amazing thing that, everything is okay. And I think that's one of the things I feel like about the program that a lot of times the parents are like, or the family are like, no, you're not doing what you're supposed to do in society. Mm -hmm. You're going against the grain. Stop it. Whereas I feel like a lot of what Andy was bringing was, come on, do it. Yeah. Like live it, do it. Let's see what it is. What is it? And, For him, and, there
0: was no such thing as a weird or wrong choice. If they were just choices, and they were just different choices. Yes. Um. And even how different students prefer to communicate. It. If a kid chose not to speak on stage, or at that point he was dealing with some sort of sensory overload, he was like, "That's okay." You do you. That is your choice. That is your right. And if you choose to be silent in this moment, there are other ways that we can communicate, even if it's just sitting with each other. That's okay. You know, he gave so many options and I think expanded upon what it means to communicate with other individuals.
2: So we're going to go a little difficult because Andy passes away. Yeah. And it's unexpected for us all. We were all shocked and rocked by that experience. And yet that group was actually reaching a pinnacle of success at the time. So it took not only those kids, their parents, us, all to a place that we weren't ready to go. And yet um, I felt at that moment, the biggest connection to you that I've ever felt because the parents came to me and said, we can't lose this program. What are you going to do? And we were like, oh my God, what are we going to do? And we didn't know what to do. And yet you were able to still guide those students and keep them together. And yet we weathered this storm. And that's when I realized that the parents were actually here for the class every time, but in our cafe Meeting and bringing food and stories. And it was actually a therapy session for the parents to kind of talk about their grievances or their challenges or their successes while you were in here still teaching the kids. And that's when I was like, oh, this is a really important program that we have to keep going. So tell us where you were in that whole exchange.
0: Yeah, and so you know, before Andy's passing, because again, it happens so suddenly, He and I sort of had this running joke that I was, you know, kind of the Spock to his Captain Kirk. As someone who had his own ADHD diagnosis, he was someone who's off the cuff and went off of pure instinct, someone who's very in the moment. I mean, that's being a true improviser, right? I mean, that's how he lived his life to the fullest. And for me, I brought in a lot of organization and structure and long term planning. So we made a great team in that capacity. When he passed away, I felt obviously a huge sense of ownership and wanting to continue this program, not just because of Andy's legacy, but because as you had mentioned, the parents and the students were getting so much out of this program. Improv meant so much to them as a community, as an escape, as a playing ground, as a training ground. So I knew I couldn't. I couldn't do it alone, that I had to have a village of instructors that would work with me to kind of embody the different facets of Andy. Andy was such a powerful force and such a tremendous educator that I wanted to somehow have this village of instructors that could really come together and bring about his vision. And what was really cool is that, you know, before Annie's passing, he and I were already in conversation about instructors that we wanted to bring on. And those were the ones that we invited. He really wanted to work with David Owen. Jennifer Barron told me, um, who's also a current instructor, told me that before Annie's passing, he had come up to Jennifer. And I didn't know this at the time, but he'd come up to Jennifer and talked about possibly coming in and helping out, right? We also really wanted Joshua Rosenthal. That was another individual that he and I both thought would be a good fit working with especially some of our teenagers. So it was a huge loss losing him, but I'm very happy that it just kind of worked out. It's like the universe wanted us to have these very intentional conversations because I guess somehow it was important to have these conversations to know who we should bring in based off of what he wanted and what we knew was going to be best for the program. I miss him a lot.
2: I'll do, yeah. yeah. There's not a day that goes by that i you know, it's hard to not think about him.
3: Major support for Whole World Improv Theater is provided by the Atlanta Mayor's Office of Cultural Affairs, the sweetest smelling office of cultural affairs in the world.
1: The communication that you're talking about,
3: mm-hmm.
1: what's it like just to get the initial communication? Suppose a new person comes into the group. Yeah. What's the process of just getting a new person into the group and getting the group together?
0: That's a very good question. I'm going to use this current session as an example. Mm-hmm. Um, November sixth. So, how the X group works is we teach eight weeks on, two weeks off. So for eight weeks, we have our session where we're meeting up consecutively, and then we take a couple weeks off for recruitment to give everyone a break. We have parents who are traveling all the way from like Douglasville or Covington, Georgia, to be here. So imagine being in that Atlanta Saturday traffic and waiting in the car for almost two hours just to be here. That's how dedicated these parents are. So when we meet from three to four on Saturdays. Um, When we have new students, one of the first things that we always do is when class starts, we always do our check-in. And the check-in is something that Andy always wanted. He always wanted to ask, what's one fun thing that happened to you this week? How is your week going in general? How's school going? And we just have a conversation. And after that conversation takes place and we start talking about what improv is, we usually tie in, well, what we just did right now, having this conversation, getting to know each other answering questions, giving each other energy. That's a part of improv, right? What we're doing is making things up as we go and we're communicating to each other. We're talking to each other. What we're doing right now, that's actual improv. Right? So the only thing you have to do now is get on that stage. And we're going to do it together. And we're also going to add games on top of it. And I think that kind of clicks for them. And like, oh, it really isn't that big of a deal. I mean, it's a big deal. It's fun, but there doesn't need to be so much pressure behind it. So I think that's a huge part of the breakthrough um, in getting these kids involved. Also with Dave and I, because Dave and I work with our beginners program and then Josh and Jen work with the intermediate program. When Dave and I work in beginner program and we have new kids, we show lots of visual examples, especially children on the autism spectrum. They thrive with visual supports and seeing, you know, examples of what's happening. So we always demonstrate the games. We always act out the scenes. We're always showing them over and over again. This This is what we're looking for so that they can see that and they can model that.
2: Talk to us about the education of this program. What's the process? What's the lesson plan and how is it benefiting them in everyday life?
0: We teach the traditional lesson plans that are being taught in the youth and teen program in addition to the adult programming. So we're teaching them all the games. We're teaching them the whole world method of improv. We're just modifying it slightly so that it can help them with their individual learning styles. But they are learning emo spot. They are learning remote control. They are learning, fortunately, unfortunately, they are learning all the games, right?
1: There's so many, you know, books about improv. We have a tried and true method here that's been developed, but that still applies then to the neurodiverse community.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. And I think what can be overwhelming for new parents is they hear improv and they go, okay, but my kid requires so much organization and structure and routine. According to the DSM-5 or the Diagnostic Statistical Manual, autism is defined as having difficulties with social interactions and also being limited by repetitive behaviors. So when it comes to repetitive behaviors, parents are often asking us, you know, without a script, without, you know, extreme amounts of guidance, how can my child thrive in these environments? And what's so fascinating to me is I feel like for the hour that our kids are with us, they're going. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. <laughs> You know, they're going hard, you know. Um, I will say one of the things that is probably different from a traditional improv class is that especially with newer kids, they will want to discuss the same topics in their improv over and over and over again. For example, we do have a kid right now who only wants to do improv about dragons. This kid loves dragons, right? So whenever we're asking for one of the three W's, when we're asking for the who, he's like, oh, you're a dragon tamer or you're a dragon fog. You're a dragon mother. You know? <laughs> You're know. you fire from the dragon. You know, he loves dragons, but you figure out how to expand upon their special interests over time. But you use those special interests and in working with this community is sort of a nice baseline to also get buy in from them from wanting to participate, because they can see that you want to play around with the things that they're passionate about. So now that they see that you have an interest in their interest, I think that gives them a sense of security and acceptance where over time they want to experiment with other things with their friends, which is really cool to see.
2: And what do you think the benefits of that are for them in everyday life?
0: Oh man, it's funny because I wish I had, Andy had this pamphlet where he would answer that question in his pamphlet, (laughs) some of the words repeated (laughs) <laughs> like they were seven. But in the list, um, he said, you know, improv, when it comes to working with the neurodiverse community, helps with adapting to the situation, not always being in control of your circumstances, learning to listen, learning to respond, learning to share the space, learn that things aren't always going to be perfect, right? I think a lot of us individuals on the autism spectrum. One of the three Ps that's talked about is perfectionism. We want everything to go exactly where it needs to be. And if it doesn't meet our standards in that way, that can be very hard for us. Well, guess what? When you're working in a collaborative environment, people are gonna say things or do things that may not fall necessarily in line with what we want, but it's their right to bring that to life just as much as it's our right to want things to be perfect, you know? It also just helps our kids with, people are want to do things differently. People are going to have different perspectives than you. That's okay. It's going to be okay.
2: And the successes. Yeah. The fact that we had a few move on and go to college. Mm-hmm. You had someone who went from that perspective to winning a musical competition. Talk a little bit about what those successes mean to you.
0: Yeah. Um, I have a very broad interpretation of what success means. I think a lot of people, when they think of success, they think of the accomplishments that someone has made. They think about exceptionalism. And I think that's why Andy called his program the Exceptional Student Group, because he wanted our students to know they were already successful, no matter what they did, No matter who they connected with, no matter what they performed on stage, they were already exceptional human beings no matter what. So in my brain, these kids were successful as soon as they walked in through that door because they chose to be here, take a risk and learn something that was going to be completely out of their comfort zone. In terms of outside the program, of course, it means a lot to me that we've had students go off to college. We have one who's in college in Tennessee. We have one who's gone off to Young Harris. We have one at Georgia State University. And two of our former X group students are now in the youth and teen program that meets from 10 to 12 on Saturdays. And they are, according to David, who leads that program, they're crushing it because they've come in with their unique perspective that's blowing these other kids, you know, out the water, not to brag. I'm sure everyone's doing great. I'm sure everyone's doing a wonderful job, but you know, because they come in with their perspectives, it's bringing something, you know, very unique and different. It's awesome. That's what we want at Whole World. One of our current students, he won Autism's Got Talent a couple years ago. He got first place two years ago. I believe he got second place this past year. He's got a beautiful singing voice. So yeah, I'm very proud of their success as it means a lot. But I also never want to put pressure on our kids to think that they have to do something out of this world all the time to not have me be proud of them or to not have David or Jen or Josh be proud of them. We're always proud of them. We want them to have fun. We want them to be good people. If they can learn how to be a person, that's that's a good person. I think that's successful.
1: They're all kids, aren't they? They're not all adults. <laughs>
0: They're, um, okay, so we, we do currently have a 20-year-old Yeah, yeah, it's a legitimate
1: question. (laughs) (laughs) So we
0: have currently ages seven to 20 right now. Typically we market it to seven to 17 year olds or seven to 18 year olds, but you know, some of our students are having alternative pathways. And so they might be staying with us a little longer. We currently have an alum who's come back who is helping us out, which is pretty awesome. So he's supporting our intermediate instructors, which is really cool.
2: So what's the next step for this program?
0: So how it works is, and this is something that Andy established, part of the onboarding slash recruitment process is that we always set up an interview with the parent and the child to make sure that we are the best fit for them. And we get to know them, we get to know their special interests, we get to know the family, we answer any questions they might have. And then once we both decide that this is a really good option for them, we send them an invite, we send them the sign-up link, and then they become a part of the program. Mm -hmm. We always make sure that we have that interview. Although sometimes, you know, with the interview process, one-on-one meetings can be a little different a kid might feel in a group environment. So you can't always tell everything 100% from that interview, but you can get some semblance of an, an idea of whether or not we're the best fit.
2: And do you feel like the growth of this program, how many instructors and how many classes are you teaching? Are you breaking it up into youth programming, teen programming, or how is it working?
0: Before COVID, we had the kids program and the teen program, and we were maxed out for both. And we were planning to add more classes in an adults program. Then guess what? COVID happened, it completely disrupted everything. So we had online classes for a while and then we moved to hybrid, then we moved to in-person. And then when we came back, we had a very small group of students because a lot of parents are waiting for vaccinations. They weren't comfortable coming in to any closed spaces. So starting November 6th, we were finally able to have two groups again. Now we've had it to where we have an intermediate program and a beginner's program. What we ran into in the past is we had someone like this one student who was nine years old, who was already crushing it. In the kids program, but we had created this program for all these teens. And so we ended up, you know, segueing him to the youth and teen program because we knew he was ready for the next step. But had we had an intermediate program, we could have segued him in and not worried so much about the ages. So that's why we now have it as intermediate and beginners as opposed to kids and teens. And we currently have four instructors, including myself, me and David do the beginners program and Jen and Josh do an excellent job with the intermediate program. And down the road, we hope to do an adults program, but we got to finish out this pandemic.
1: Well, fortunately, all the country is united in that and everybody's cooperating with each other. So as we start to
2: wrap up, I want to know a little bit about your educational background and what brought you to this program.
0: So I grew up with an IEP. As I mentioned before, I'm part of the neurodiverse community myself. I grew up feeling different from my peers, not getting invited to many a birthday party because the parent was concerned that I was going to throw a tantrum. It was a pretty lonely uh, (laughs) childhood, Mm -hmm. Um, and it wasn't until college that I felt like I started finding my tribe through theater, musical theater specifically. I was surrounded by all these people, kind of this island of misfit toys, so to speak, of individuals who all had their quirks, and so the things that people thought I was weird for in high school, people thought were endearing and quirky and fun in college. It's interesting how context works that way, by the way. It's Mm -hmm. very fascinating. So I found my tribe. I got my degree in musical theater. I went on a couple national tours. I did vaudeville out in California, which was a lot of fun. And then at a mass cattle call audition for a bunch of different theaters at this conference called UPTA, I learned about Kaiser Permanente's Educational Theater. I was in this audition where there was this intense scene for this grief management show called Fragments where I had to play a daughter and the artistic director of this theater was playing the mom and I just kind of had a meltdown and said, I'm so sorry. And She's like, no, I love your vulnerability. I want more. And then I got hired. (laughs) I got hired. You would think...
1: Never underestimate the power of a good mental breakdown.
0: I know, right? That's the name of your podcast uh, episode right there. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. So I got the job. um, And so I wound up for six to seven years doing educational theater where I serviced the pre-K population all the way up to senior citizen in which we were doing puppet shows, physical activity. We were doing stress management shows for teachers. We were doing grief shows for kids and teens who had suffered from the loss of a loved one. So we were doing all these different types of programming that was to serve as a support for the Metro Atlanta community. So I think that gave me a lot of experience and being present. And then we were brought on for a couple of workshops with the neurodiverse community, and I absolutely fell in love. I felt a kinship with this population. And around that time, that's where I met Andy. Mm-hmm. So, and then that propelled me to wanting to get my master's in creative and create innovative education.
2: Good background.
0: I guess. Is it? I don't know. You decide, loyal viewers.
2: (laughs) I got my start in educational children's programming and toured the U.S. for three and a half years. I started when I was barely 20 and went through the next three and a half years of being able to be on the road taking 50% education and 50% Basically, scripted, you know, sketch comedy that we included in themes. So, I mean, I spent three and a half years just doing basically improv and throwing down educational lines because I'd come from a theater background. And I have to say that that was, like you said, it's your tribe, it's your people. Mm -hmm. And when I got done and I was back in Atlanta, I had a very small break and I was supposed to leave and move to Minnesota. But the whole world was starting to form and I was like okay these are my people yeah. and look at us 27 years later all the opportunities all the great things that have come out of it and I have to say that you're one of the great things that have come out of whole world and the whole entire program is like I said it's not just exceptional you're
1: exceptional and so I really appreciate
2: you being on today
0: making me cry <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's from the heart. You know, this is something to be proud of. It's so great to hear that this community has this sort of resource. And it's something that we love to do. And uh, you're wonderful. And also, if I may say, I have to give a heartfelt thank you to Bethany, because Bethany is the person who texts me on Fridays. Hey, John, have you figured out the show info yet? And I'm like, oh, I haven't. I thank you so much <laughs> for doing all of that and being so patient with me.
0: You're welcome. It's a pleasure.
1: Bethany, hey,
2: if anyone out there is watching that might be on the fence about putting their child in this program, what do you say to them?
0: You should try X Group because it's a wonderful program. I'm very proud of it. It's messy. It's fun. We can't promise that it's going to relieve all the stresses that life brings for your child, but we can, for that one hour, be a safe space where they can come, feel supported, be accepted, and can be encouraged to be themselves and thrive. That's why we're here. We hope you join us. Thank you so much.
2: Well, we want to thank you for taking time to speak to us about X Group. For more information, Bethany, tell them where they can go.
0: You can email me at Bethany, B-E-T-H-A-N-Y, at wholeworldtheater.com, with theater spelled with an R-E, Bethany at wholeworldtheater.com.
2: That's all Give it takes. me
0: an email. That's all it takes. Just shoot me an email. I check my spam regularly.
2: Thank you so much for being with us today. And this is our actual season two ender. So we're so glad you got to be here for us to end and wrap up season two of the Whole World Theater podcast. I'm Chip Powell. And I'm John Halleck,
0: And I'm doing my best.
1: Until <laughs> next year,
3: thanks for listening to the whole world improv theater podcast now with a fresh new lemony scent the whole world improv podcast is a production of whole world improv theater in association with headspace industries the executive producer writer and servant in the place of truth is chip powell the other producer writer whatever is johnny Halek. Ooh, that is ominous uh, the voiceover booth here isn't set up yet, and so I'm, I'm kind of pulling some strings, and I'm huddled underneath a giant comforter, and it's probably uh, about 120 degrees under here, and big old sweat droplet dropped right on what I'm reading and right on the H of Mihalik. I don't know what it means. Probably means it we s- sweaty people, John. Original music by The Gentle Readers. And our social media maven is Bethany Rowe. Please help support this podcast by liking, subscribing, and leaving us a review. And use emojis. It's fun watching John try to figure out what they are. Eggplant donut, eggplant donut, eggplant donut bagel. What's the difference between a bagel and a donut in the euphemism world? Write in and let us know. Or peach. Whole World Improv Theater is a 501c3 nonprofit theater. Please support by donating at our website, wholeworldtheater.com. And remember, it's tax deductible. It's easier than lying about the size of your home office. Oh, man, that's another one that hit really close to home. But I've only really lived in 600 square feet ever, at most. So it's negligible. All right, IRS, you have won by far. You win. You win. Just take my life. Additional writing and voiceover from me, Kate Hello, oh, no. And I'm now officially drenched in sweat from head to toe. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week.
2: Um, what are your... Oh, oh. <laughs>
0: uh. As I said, we aren't perfect, folks. And I'm very... I'm very...
2: He's really good at doing podcasts. Do I tell you that?
0: You want me to start again? <laughs>
2: yes, please.
0: Okay, I want to go again because so I was kind of rambling, anyways. No, oh,
1: that was a great
2: answer.
0: Okay, listen. Okay. And we'll start all over again. Can I start all over again? And we'll start one more time. Okay. See, I started getting thrown. I had a thing and then, okay. You that okay.
2: <laughs> to end and wrap up season two of the Whole World Theater podcast, I'm Chip Powell. And I'm John Halleck.
0: And
2: I'm doing my best. Until next time. Okay, so we got to put the cell phone ring at the top of the podcast. (laughs) He's saying you and that bone. (laughs) Okay, yeah, sure. Okay, we got to do that. We got to bumper it in with that. (laughs) It's going to be like the teaser.
1: I get like zero phone calls most of my life. (laughs) Most of your life. Until you're doing a podcast.
3: I know.
1: Good job, John. All right. I'm a great podcast host.